0: Married in the morning Ding dong The bells are gonna chime Pull out the stopper Let's have a whopper But get me to the church On time I gotta be there In the morning through up and looking In my prime Boys love and kiss me Show how you'll miss me But get me to the church On time if I am dancing, roll up the floor. If I am whistling, whisk me out the door. I'm getting married in the morning. Ding dong, the bells are gonna chime. Kick up a rumpus, don't lose a compass, and get me to the church on time. You gotta hurry up.
1: Hello and hurry, welcome hurry to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway for Sunday, May 21st. 2023. My name is James Marino and in the broadcast today we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His new book, The Book of Broadway Musical Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements, is now available and can be purchased wherever finer books are sold. Peter has columns at Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Hello, Peter. Hi. Peter, how are we doing with mm. those RFCPs for the Theatre World Awards?
2: uh we're filling up yeah it's uh, it's going pretty well um among our presenters are going to be uh, Laura Linney and Arian Moset and um uh Benjamin um uh, who was such a hit in mm. Oliver oh yay is going yay. to us, <laughs> is gonna sing for us uh, which is really great and so is Julie Benko so uh, that's going to be very nice too because she's getting the um Dorothy Loudon Award. And, uh, so yeah, things are coming along. They really are. And, um, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to, um, I'm seeing. Um, I have my Donald Trump joke ready, so uh, all was well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael's a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of castalbumreviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at followspotphoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello and Michael is also gearing up for his own show the uh Jerry Orbachs Broadway uh it's going to be a 54 below in July. Yeah. So uh you're getting ready for that one Michael? Yeah, I forgot we discussed
3: it last week and I and I forgot to mention that in addition to our core group which is uh William Michaels and Nikita Burstein and J Aubrey Jones. Um, And in addition to our two special guests, Jill O'Hara and Leroy Reams, we are also having both of Jerry's sons in our show, which I think is going to really help to make
1: it incredibly special. Well, that's wonderful to hear. So we'll have a link uh, to that in the show notes. So if you want to get over to check out 54 Below and get tickets to Michael's upcoming show in July, the link is right there. So, uh, we started off last week by talking about a Tony Awards that was not going to be broadcast. <laughs> and, you know, Felicia stated mm-hmm. it a number of times last week. <laughs> he said, I think that they're going to figure this out. I And I kept on. I was the naysayer. And Peter was half full. I was half empty. Or one of those two. And uh Whatever seems that, that Felicia, it? Felicia was – is half empty the – <laughs> Good side or the bad
2: side? less half-empty you half-full. Half-empty is the pessimist. is the pessimistic right. side yeah. because, yeah. you know.
1: So it seems as though, I, although I, I I keep on reading the <laughs> statement, I keep parsing it, and I was like, the Writers Guild of America is not going to picket uh, the performance. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm, I'm not quite. That's a full. I don't think that's a full-throated endorsement.
3: (laughs) No, but I guess that they're interpreting that as meaning that they can go ahead with it, and uh, everyone is. I'm not sure why they weren't a little more specific in what will happen and what won't happen. Maybe they're. I mean, they've got to be sure by now. It's not that far away, right? They have to. a, A lot of people are assuming that there will just not be any new material written for the show and that actually what i had suggested that they could just have the presenters come out and ad lib a little bit and then read the nominees and then the uh you know everyone is assuming and i think uh, knowing that the um the musical numbers from the shows are not affected at all because they're not they're not under that contract. I mean, they're pre-existing mm-hmm. songs that were not sure. written by people right, in that yeah. union. Right. Uh, so as I had said last week, and Peter agreed with me, uh, it could be the best Tony Awards ever.
2: Absolutely. <laughs>
3: um, so, but <laughs> uh, um, but I mean, it's kind of interesting that no one knows for sure. Uh, maybe we will know before. It airs (laughs) what I imagine we will know exactly what's going to happen in terms of what will be included and what won't. Uh, But uh, when is the question, I guess?
1: Yeah. So uh, we're going to have a lot of people saying yes and. You know? (laughs) It's a a improvisational uh tool that is going to be used a lot, maybe on Tony Ward's evening.
2: Uh uh you know truth to tell, um I'm I, I wasn't as right as I thought I'd be because I really expected it would uh, not happen until like the 11th hour so I was very surprised that um, almost in a day it, it seemed to be at least quasi-solved So, uh, but I really did think it was going to linger on there were going to be um, all sorts of um, back and forth threats and uh, what have you so um, so while I may have been right my timing was way off
3: and on that note what I don't understand is they had said that the, the Tony producers had gone to the the. WGA, yeah, uh, and asked for a waiver, and it was denied, right? And then, like a day later, a day later, <laughs> apparently they went back, and then it was w- approved, or at least I don't know if they maybe they didn't actually give them a waiver, but they just said they're not going to picket it.
1: I, I, well, you know, uh, yeah, that's what I was have- saying about parsing it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> You're right. Uh, yeah. Sometimes after a night's sleep, you change your mind. You know, so that might very well have happened here. Yeah. Uh, oh, Peter, then. I'm pretty
1: sure that they. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they heard, uh, you know, Broadway radio, and uh, That's figured it. they <laughs> yeah. better.
2: That's it. They can't let me down. Yeah, you're right. That's the solution. Yeah, that's it. Now we know. Um, Yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure that that's (laughs) That's what happened. But at the end of the day, nobody's going to remember this. All we're going to (laughs) remember is uh, 2023 was the year that Bad Cinderella came out from nowhere and took everything.
2: Yeah. It was the
1: unexpected. It was the Cinderella story.
2: It was the Cinderella story, yeah. (laughs) It was the bad Cinderella story, yeah. Right. You know, it's so bizarre that they chose that title. You know, I mean, you are asking for trouble with that title. I know I'm not the first person to say that, and I won't be the last, but still. I'd love to have been at that meeting. You know, I, I, I talk all the time about, uh, the places I'd love to be a fly on the wall, you know, to, uh, to see. And that's now one of them. Uh, when somebody said, how about calling it bad, Cinderella? Yeah. You know, was there much, uh, no, are you crazy or wow? Yeah. You're right. That's great. You know, I mean, i uh, it's, it's such a strange thing. So. Uh. So. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're gonna uh, we're back on track to talk about uh, who will win, who should win. We'll be able to see it if you're actually not at the Tony Awards itself. Uh, yeah. Is it's a lot of question marks? Uh, is it gonna is it gonna come in in under four hours? <laughs> you know, mm,
2: <laughs> mm. yeah, it, it might come in in ninety minutes. You know, well,
1: that's yeah. I mean, that to me is one of the most interesting. Things about it,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, you know, without a specific script, um, without a specific script, I, I, I find that the uh, the television producing side of it is going to be especially challenging.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We, we might, and also bit- um, uh, several people are assuming
3: and hoping that maybe this will mean that all of the awards. Or certainly, all of the "quote unquote" major uh, ones will be included uh, in yeah, the broadcast, yeah. whereas yeah, they've been right. lately leaving out things like little things like Book of a Musical.
1: Yeah,
2: right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> yeah. can you can you really ad lib an in memoriam section?
2: Well, well no, but that's that that, not written, really, is yeah, it? That's yeah, yeah, it's not. That's right. a list. Uh, I, I think I, I think that uh, that's not a problem
1: yeah exactly that's what i think
2: so uh, we'll see but i mean who knows
1: but hopefully some of the uh the bad skits will (laughs) will not make it into the broadcast leaving room for everybody to perform and and i guess do their stuff so uh i i guess it's uh uh it's a big question mark we're gonna have to see and uh and I think that this is where Broadway should excel. We are in the business of live theater, live yeah, presentation. Right, right. You know right. uh, mm-hmm. that this should be this should be something that w- we do really well. So there it is. There it is. So uh, let's start off our review section. Michael mm. got into the Portantier Limousine, <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, otherwise known as
1: Amtrak, <laughs> our nation's. Ca- you have a. You were on the 21st century, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> uh, directly from the new, um, the new uh, Penn Station down to Washington yes. D.C. to see Spamalot. So tell us about this uh, production. Is it a tour? Or is it a, a produced production?
3: Oh, no, this is what part of the Broadway center stage, uh, series that they've been doing, which is roughly equivalent to Encores here. Uh, mm-hmm. this is the, um, that was the series that produced that guys and dolls that I saw, uh, among other things. And I had to go as soon as I heard the cast because, um, I mean, uh, Alex Brightman, James Monroe Eaglehart, Leslie Rodriguez Kritzer, Rob McClure, Matthew Saldivar, Jimmy Smagula, Michael Yuri, and Nick Walker. You know, I mean, <laughs> you look back at Beetlejuice, and at the time, I really enjoyed Beetlejuice, um, but largely because it had three of those comic geniuses in it Alex Brightman, Leslie Rodriguez Kritzer, and Rob McClure. So now you add those other people uh, to Monty Python Spamalot, which is certainly. One of the most hilarious shows to have been seen on Broadway in, you know, quite some time. Um, and I thought, I don't, I don't really want to miss this. <laughs> I probably would have gone if any one of those people had been in it. Uh, and, um, I, I was not disappointed. Um, the most amazing thing about it, uh, because I expected all of those people to be hilariously, brilliantly, screamingly funny in the show. Uh, and, and again, I was not disappointed, but, um, the fellow I went with was most impressed by the fact that it was so incredibly, uh, well directed. Uh, and really, you know, for a very short run and with extremely limited rehearsal time like the encore shows and uh it the director and and choreographer is josh rhodes and my friend said i I wonder if that fellow has uh done spam a lot before in any capacity and we looked at his bio and it's not in his bio um so i don't know but it really is in incredible that he did such an amazing job of putting this together on s- in such a short amount of time and and have it seem like they had been rehearsing for 3 months uh it was the timing was absolutely perfect the flow was was just what you wanted it to be there was not a you know a wasted moment um and it really of course it helped that, that that he had all those brilliant people to work with but i think in a way he uh he could be seen as the star of this production uh and he's done josh rose has done some really superb work in recent years so uh that that's not a surprise in that respect uh but i was so glad uh that i went to see this and uh, one interesting thing was that i um I wanted to see how it would play because uh, DC audiences are not exactly the same as New York audiences. Uh, I think that's fair to say. And um, I wanted to see how the humor would play because also now we're even further away from the Monty Python era than we were when the show was on Broadway. And plus of course that humor is not for everyone to begin with. It is a very silly very special kind of humor um so i'm happy to report that there was a laugh every 30 seconds in this production um Mm -hmm. the audience absolutely adored it and everyone i'm sure was really 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 thrilled that they were there um and that includes me uh the one um observation i would make is that song about um uh what is the title of it the song about how you uh if you want to do a broadway musical you you have to have jews involved
2: <laughs> um,
3: mm-hmm. um it's it's interesting because that i i would say the world has changed so much even since spam uh, was on broadway and and broadway and the theater and uh you know um, the social construct has changed so much that i think that's that's that joke doesn't really work so much anymore. Um, And yet um, people still, you know, still laughed at it and still got it. So, uh, but it it just was interesting to me to see how um, to think back on, on how that, that perception is probably not the same anymore as it was back then. Um, So
2: I agree with that. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Oh, the title of the song is you won't succeed on Broadway. And then the rest of the phrases, if you don't have any G. Right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so uh yeah, this this was amazing, and I'm and I'm really glad I went. And also um I was able to slip in a performance of Passing Strange at the signature theater, uh, towards the end of its run. Uh a show that I really liked when I saw it on Broadway years ago, uh Book and Lyrics by Stu, of course, music by Stu and Heidi Rodewald. Uh, this production was directed by Raymond O. Caldwell, um, and here I'm. I'm uh, disappointed to say that I think that that actually um, this one was marred by the direction and the music direction because uh, I just kind of felt like um, the cast was screaming at me uh, for much of the evening, and I did not have that feeling on Broadway. Uh, this production was done in the smaller of the two uh spaces at Signature Theater Signature Theater's complex in Arlington uh Virginia at Shirlington Village um in the Arc Theater which is a fairly small uh black box type of space and uh they did not need to scream so i i'm i'm really sorry that that director and musical director allowed them to do that and i don't you know i mean the cast they were all very talented and, and there were times when they weren't overacting and screaming. So, uh, they obviously could do that if, um, someone had guided them towards it. So, uh, that, that was a disappointment. Um, and I wish that had not been the case. Uh, but, but I was happy to see, uh, so much talent in the cast because I don't think I've seen any of these people perform before, uh, Uh, passing strange calls for maybe a lot of types of talent that you wouldn't see in a in a more traditional uh, golden age type broadway musical and so therefore um, that's what we got here Uh, including the fellow who played the narrator the stew role isaac deacon izzy bell who is um, really a music person rather than a theater person but he did a wonderful job of pulling the the show together and the youth um, the younger counterpart of the Stu character uh, because it is a basically a semi-autobiographical show was played by Damani Brewington so, um, so those are two people I'd like to mention from that production
1: Wow so uh, it was uh, quite the trip to DC there yeah. uh, seeing two very different shows very uh, different <laughs> <laughs> very different shows um but it seems as though that they uh are you know are both shows that were you know in the recent broadway uh in the recent broadway past uh do you think that it's time to bring a a spamalot back
3: oh i don't know um i don't think to broadway uh, I don't think so, but there's always so much going on in DC theater-wise. I'm sure I've mentioned that. It seems to me um, much more than than, for example, in Boston, where I used to see a lot of shows. Uh, uh, and and on that note, uh, the Shakespeare Theater uh, recently announced their upcoming season in DC, which will include Rafe Fines and Indira Varma in Macbeth. And also this production of Evita, uh, directed by Sammy Canold, that is currently at Art ART in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And um, as is often the case, there are rumors of Broadway for that production. So um, you might get to see it at the Shakespeare Theater in DC before Broadway, uh, if you if you want to do that, unless um it winds up having a fast track to Broadway and doesn't play at the
1: Shakespeare Theater, but I don't I don't think that's gonna happen. Hmm. All right. So there is our our brief and short uh DC theater update, <laughs> although there's tons and tons of other stuff that's going on down there. We we talk about that often from Ford's to signature to a- arena, some great theater down as EC. Yes. So Peter, you got a chance to see a production at Theater Lab called Let Me Cook for You, which is written and performed by uh, Orietta, is that it? Crispino? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So tell us about this.
2: Well, let me start by saying that um, Margaret Hall, who writes for Playbill and is a Drama Desk nominator, is somebody I've gotten to know. And um, at the end of the evening when i said um this is one of the worst things i've ever seen she said no 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 this this has some worth in it so maybe you'll go and agree with margaret but for me uh it was uh, torture from the first moment now the thing is uh it's called let me cook for you and that's exactly what the um woman does mm-hmm. while she's talking about her life and she's talking about her mother and she's talking about her grandmother and she's talking about where she comes from and all that goes with that and i know all of us feel that our lives are tremendously interesting and uh our backgrounds are fascinating and i do it too you know so i'm gu- as guilty as the next person you know I, I recently did two shows at theater 555 telling my stories so if i can tell mine why can't she tell hers <laughs> and she's cooking and you get a plate of food um, all vegetables um some tofu um but mostly vegetables and, um, uh, we all have different values when it comes to how much food should be on a plate, but, um, it's a modest plate. I'd say it's about, uh, six, maybe seven inches square. And, um, it's heaped reasonably high. And, um, yes, the food is good and it's nice to smell the food being cooked and all that. But I didn't find her, um, interesting for two seconds. Now, what was really, 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 really strange was the second act. We went to a different room where there was a clothes rack and there were a whole bunch of dresses on the rack and she would take them out and she would show us the dress and say, uh, my mother wore this, my grandmother wore this, I wore this. Um, I I couldn't believe what I was hearing that this, at one point she actually, uh, and she brought it cl- close to us. We were all on folding chairs, uh, analogous to folding chairs, that type of thing. And, um, she would bring it, and I noticed that when she came by me and then moved, she said, "I know some of you don't care about this at all, and I have a feeling the expression on my face is what brought her to say that um and I have to agree that um, I didn't care at all i It, it was so strange to me to hear these stories about these clothes, which weren't interesting stories, nothing." Nothing she said interested me at all, at all, at all, at all. But apparently, something, maybe a lot, interested Margaret. So you uh, may find yourself uh, more interested in it than I was. One other thing that must be said, and that is, if you are going to go, you must take a COVID test the day before. They do check that out. Um, quite a bit i i I don't know if it had to do with the food i don't know if it had to do with the fact that um you're not really close to anybody um you're 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 really sitting on chairs not theater seats in the first part as well and you're actually a few inches farther away from you would be in a theater with the theater seats so um, i don't know why they're so insistent on this this, do you, either of you know does it have to do with the food? Do you have any theories on this? Because I certainly don't. I don't but see yes. what the
3: food would have to do with it.
2: Yeah, I ha, I, I have no idea. You know, but anyway, that that was a demand, and, um, and yeah, they, it could they
1: be that uh, somebody involved in the production might be really susceptible to it, uh, or have some sort of underlying condition. Well, yeah, really,
2: I guess that's yeah. You know,
1: uh, I mean, that could be, uh, we, we still do, you know, we don't talk about it much, but we still do see a lot of people out for COVID sure. and productions get, sure. uh, put on uh delay or no performance because of COVID still, uh, still is very happening, uh, interesting about the let me cook for you is that the uh it's limited to 15 audience members at per performance. Yeah. yeah. So it's a very very small uh audience. I I haven't seen it so I don't really know uh how intimate it is but Peter's saying that you know it's probably a little bit more spread out than uh, going to see something uh at the yeah, show. A little belt.
2: more. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. M- maybe six inches, um, something like that. Uh, b- b- but anyway, um, one thing you got to give a credit for, it's the type of thing you have to go to a theater and get, you can't get this at, um, at your quarter or on your quasar. Um, if you still have a quasar mm. TV, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, it, so it is theatrical in that sense. And I will say the woman has spirit. Um, she's, She's certainly enjoying herself, and she enjoys telling her stories. They're, they're, so I, I she's likable. Um, I, I'm really struggling so hard to say nice things about this, and I know I've said mostly awful things about it, but it's the best I can do. Um, so um, I'll quit while I'm behind.
1: Alright, so uh that is Let Me Cook for You and it's uh playing through May twenty eighth, so you've about a week left in its uh in its run down at Theater Lab. So uh, Michael, you got over to St. Clement's to see Waiting in the Wings, so tell us about this.
3: Oh yeah, this um this show uh <laughs> Um I I I really um was kind of surprised at how amateurish it was uh which maybe i shouldn't have been because um there do tend to be a fairly high percentage of those types of shows in that space uh but uh it's a very odd musical apparently based on a movie uh, um that that i've not seen A small indie movie uh and here's the plot of it which uh, this sounded fun to me which is basically why i went um it's about two entertainers destined for the big time who are mismatched in a casting office from two very different online contests tony a stripper from new york is cast in an off-Broadway musical and needs to trade in his tearaway trunks for tap shoes and tights. Anthony, a naive musical theater enthusiast from Montana, needs to decide if he can strip all the way down just to stay in town. Hilarity ensues as they realize that in order to make it, they're going to have to learn some new tricks. So the joke is that they both have the same last name and one of their first names is Tony and the other one is anthony and it's the same casting office that's casting this strip show and this musical and so they 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 get uh switched um but uh the main well one of the main problems with this musical is that it's way 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 too long it just seemed endless there were there were songs um uh it seemed like there was a song every two minutes and most of them did not need to be there uh the direction seemed to be for everyone to uh play everything way 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 over the top as if it was a sketch on carol burnett show or something like that and it really was quite unpleasant um for me to sit there uh but i i i want i guess i wanted to mention it because um in the midst of all this one of the two leads matthew kleckner as tony uh the stripper uh you're probably going to hear from him again because he, he kind of shone, shone out from this like a, like a, a beacon in the, in the darkest of night. Uh, he really, uh, I mean, first of all, he's built like an action figure. So that's going to, to help him, uh, in, in many roles, but he has a, uh, beautiful voice. And, and what was interesting about that is that, um, uh, in the first part of this, uh show he's supposed to was supposed to think that he can't sing and he did a really good job of uh of indicating that he couldn't sing singing in a way that made it sound like he couldn't uh and then only gradually did you, you, you we get to hear his actual voice uh which you can certainly hear in uh in some clips online if you if you look him up it's matthew kleckner k-l-e-c-k-n-e-r uh so uh, he did that very well. And then also his, his comic timing and his sincerity just, just really, really, I think moved the whole thing to another level. So, um, in a way, uh, you know, I was sorry that, that he was surrounded by, by all of this amateurishness, but, uh, but it is still, you know, a showcase for him, I I guess for, for those who saw it. And I think that anyone who did see it or does see it will, um, will certainly uh consider it a, a personal uh triumph for him. So um that's a reason to see it if you if you choose to um at St. Clement's uh on forty sixth street, far west forty sixth street.
2: Which All is right. where I'm headed this afternoon. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what are you seeing this afternoon? That, that. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> then you're definitely headed there.
2: Yes, yes I
1: am. Uh, so I, I, I was I was a little bit confused about this um, because I was looking up uh, the waiting in the wings to add it to the show notes and it says it's produced by JJ Spotlight Productions. Right, which is not J-2 not
2: J2 Spotlight. J-2. J-2. Yeah. Right. Oh, uh,
3: and on that note, um, uh, just parenthetically, I, 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 I guess I had thought or had heard, or had assumed that maybe uh, Santino Fontana would be going back into their production of the Goodbye Girl, but from what mm-hmm. I read on yeah. last night uh, from yeah. someone who saw it, I guess that is not the case, and that right. other right. fellow um, Dan DeLuca has, has continued in the yeah. role.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and that that's ra- wrapping up today, I think. Yes, I believe um, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's uh, "Waiting in the Wings" at St. Clements, and uh, of course, "Waiting in the Wings" is also the title of I that Noel
2: Coward, Coward play, play. Yeah. right?
3: <laughs> and there have been um, which far other less, which far, f- far, far less nudity, far less nudity, typically in that play. <laughs> uh, this yeah. one, uh, for the record, this one has no full nudity. So. Whether that's a plus or a minus, just so you know that.
2: (laughs) One of my favorite experiences of all time was being in Alex Cohen's office when he was preparing Waiting for the Wings. We (laughs) were talking about the Theatre World Awards um, because he was going to make a donation. And uh, it was really great. Every two seconds, he was being interrupted by a phone call. Hello, Betty. Yes, meaning Lauren Bacall. You know, Rosemary. Hi, you know, Rosemary Harris. Oh, Rosemary, um, meaning Rosemary Murphy. I mean, it was just great to see him at uh, an advanced age in his uh, producing career, you know, being the the Tyro again you know just so exciting you know with all these stars and names we've all known i mean it was a really starry production mm. and uh it, it was just so great I, mean, I i'll grant you the play isn't uh, a masterpiece and um i was disappointed in it but uh but i was never never sorry that i was in his office while I- this was happening. I've never been in a place where I was so happy to be interrupted because the joy on his face when he was talking to all these stars is something I'll never forget.
1: <laughs> so, uh, we had some news this week that uh, Henrik Ibsen is returning to Broadway Yeah, huh? in, in Enemy of the People. Uh, <laughs> well, not so, he himself. Uh, but, not yeah. he himself, but yeah. Jeremy Strong uh, is going to be coming uh, Emmy, Golden Globe, and SAG Award winner. They were just dying to write Academy Award there, but they couldn't. Uh, and that's, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's that's the good news.
3: The um, the rest of the news is that this production is going to be directed by Sam Gold, who, uh, as I think we have discussed before, uh, did a wonderful job uh, with two new shows, Fun Home and A Doll's House Part Two uh but uh a far less wonderful job with such very 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 poorly received revivals as uh the the most recent macbeth uh king lear and the glass menagerie on broadway so um and uh, you know uh, this is a new uh, being built as a new adaptation of an enemy of the people by amy herzog uh but it's still I you know I mean I I I wouldn't still classify it as a new play and so um I'm a, am more than a little trepidatious as to what the direction of this is going to be like but uh Jeremy Strong is um very very popular now because of Succession um and that is a very meaty role uh needless to say in an enemy of the people so we will
1: see how that one turns out So uh, what if the director and the writer adapter of this uh, don't see eye to eye? You know, what happens there?
3: Oh, uh, gee, I never (laughs) thought of that. (laughs) I mean, Amy Herzog is Sam Gold's wife. Oh, I didn't. I will confess, I did
2: not know that. I didn't either. <laughs> I never know who's going around with who, who's married to who. I Sometimes, I, well, I, do. I, 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 I don't think that that stuff. I
1: don't think that we should be expected to know that. But they really left that out of the. You know, you you have to mention these things. You have to, you know. Talk
2: it's about it's, these it's funny, Cheetah Rivera's memoir. Um, she says early on, you know, I knew I'd have to lift the veil on my personal life because that's what people want to know. Now, I want to know about the shows. That's what I want to know about. So, I mean, I, I never care who's running around with who or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I'm not surprised I didn't know that, James.
1: Well, I mean, and, and I don't think that we should be expected to know that. But I think right. that if you're announcing a multi-million dollar production to come to Broadway, you you should. It, I I feel like these things, you know, you, you should be transparent about these things, so it doesn't seem like scandal. You well, know, Amy fair. Herzog yeah, I see,
2: I see absolutely you.
1: stands on her own. She's a Pulitzer Prize nominee, right? Uh, right. You know, she we stands on her own, uh, sure, but but you sure. do have to, uh, you know, it, it's it's it, it's unseemly when you have to discover these things, and you know, uh, with yeah. sun sunlight is the best disinfectant.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, the only thing I know the Lunts were married. That's it. That's, that's, that's <laughs> they that's, were. Scandal. That's, that's scandal the to my knowledge, you know, about things like this.
1: So. Scandal, scandal, scandal. Yeah, uh, so, you know, it, it's not to say that this can't work out. You've had, you know, really great uh partnerships and collaborations with sure. married couples and long-term uh sure. long, you sure. know, you know, I'm stro- more concerned.
3: About, I, I'm just more concerned about the fact that it's Sam Gold directing a, an old play, because well, it, it seems like whenever he does uh, uh, something that's not new, he feels like yeah. he has to uh, grab yeah. it and distort well, it in 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 the most outrageous way possible in order to quote unquote make it his own. Well, uh, uh, he's so. not
2: alone, is he? When it comes to directors, yeah. So
3: no, but maybe <clears throat> yeah, but. Mm, I don't think there are many others in that class to that extent. Evo Van Hova mm-hmm. is one who mm-hmm. uh who leaps to mind. Mm-hmm. But not too many others that I can think of offhand, hopefully. So? Diane the,
2: who?
1: Oh Diane Paulus. Paulus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Diane Paulus. Well she I, I reimagined the Pippin. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I was thinking of something more recent. Oh, okay.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> So, uh, more details on An Enemy of the People, not that we have much, is that it's (laughs) going to be 16-week limited Broadway engagement in early 2024, but they won't say which 16 weeks. Uh, So, (laughs) somewhere in the 52-week schedule of 2024, I guess, if it's early 2024, well, the first 26 weeks, somewhere in there, they're going to do that. Um, And... They don't have a theater yet. That's that they're ready to announce. So uh, the question becomes: Why announce it? They're not selling tickets.
2: I mean, <laughs> you know, as well, the years gone on, I have noticed that uh, so many. People advertise things that aren't happening in, in a couple of weeks. Um, have you noticed that? I mean, sometimes you see uh, coming this fall, you know, coming in next year. I mean, all that kind of stuff. That didn't happen way back when. I'm not saying it's a problem. I don't care that people want to do that. But um, it, I guess some of it has to do with the fact that we're all so busy and time goes so quickly that um, <laughs> they might as well tell us that it's coming next year because next year is around the corner. On a
3: related note, I just was at Lincoln Center, and uh, that Notre Dame de Paris show is is oh, coming yeah. back. Uh, and there's a big poster for it, but w- without the dates, because uh, I guess they're not locked in yet. Uh, but they just still want people to know it's
1: coming. Um, okay, so. Do you think so, maybe that maybe Camelot is going to pull out uh, an Amazing mm-hmm. Tony win, and it's going to extend for two years? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I,
2: I, th- I think it's very nice <laughs> that they don't tell the dates
1: <laughs> You've seen it, Peter.
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: I've <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. yeah. You let's let's say that it's always to be coming mm-hmm. and never mm-hmm. to arrive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's our own waiting for Godot. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> All right. So uh, in other news, um, last week we talked about Charles Kurtz's uh, Backstage Babel. And uh, on the heels of that, we got an announcement this week, Michael, right? Well, yeah,
3: I had Charles uh, did a podcast with Jesse Green of the New York Times, and I, I only just had a chance to start listening to it. But it sounds really, really fascinating. He, um, one of the things they talk about at the be- towards the beginning is that Jesse started out um, – I did not know that he started out uh, – he wanted to be a director – uh originally at least he thought he did um and he worked as a as an intern for hal prince wow. and but the show he that he worked on uh he said well i wish i could you know i could say that it was yeah, <laughs> Follies special. or you know yeah. but it was a, a doll's life
2: uh-huh
3: hmm. uh and uh, he says but you know which 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 was one of the epic flops but but in terms of learning uh Mm -hmm. about theater Mm -hmm. it was incredibly invaluable he he said Mm -hmm. it was fascinating to see how you know great people like hal prince and comden and green uh you know who who had made so many hits uh could come up with such a flop uh and see how things happen like you know how just the way that that happened like decisions that were made of course it depends largely on the, the the writing of the show to begin with uh which was very 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 problematic and um but he talks about all about that and and i uh and i can only imagine how how fascinating if painful <laughs> it was to uh to be in the midst of all that I'll i'll never forget seeing that show uh right after it opened and um And I've told this story before. Uh, The stars were Betsy Jocelyn and George Hearn. And we went back. A friend of mine insisted we go backstage because we knew Betsy Jocelyn. And I really didn't want to go because the reviews had been so horrific. But he insisted on it. And we went backstage. And the mood was very, very, very somber, as you can imagine. But George Hearn insisted um, that the audience response before the reviews had been very, very positive. Mm. And uh, then after the reviews came out, everything just completely Mm. died Mm. immediately. Mm. Um, I don't think he was lying, but I can't imagine how how audience response to that show would have been positive. It really was quite, quite a mess. Um, So anyway, uh, Jesse Green. Yeah, he worked on that. And then he also worked as a music copyist uh, for such shows as Merrily We Roll Along. Wow. Um. I didn't know he had that background. That's so he he has a lot more technical knowledge of music uh, than than most critics, I would say, myself myself included. Myself Um, included, and that's and that's very impressive to me. Uh, So, really, listen to that um, podcast if you get a chance. I think you'll you'll find it very interesting uh, to uh, to get his perspective of of the the business.
2: I think that it, was sometimes biggest complaint with critics. You know, that they were not yes. well schooled in music. Yes, and, and yes. Uh, I mean, guilty as charged, he frequently said that.
3: Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, you know, it it becomes that age old discussion about, you know, are 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 the critics critics supposed to be somebody? Who are they Writing a, for who are they writing for? You know, ninety nine percent of the audience is not going to have. That that mm-hmm. that level of knowledge that Mr. Mm-hmm. Sondheim might be mm-hmm. looking for, mm. right? Uh, so, and then it becomes: uh, Who is the author writing for? Is yeah. is the author writing for themselves, or mm-hmm. for a very mm-hmm. small mm-hmm. group, mm-hmm. or is the author writing for the general public? Um, yeah. uh, you know, in this discussion about. Jesse Green sort of being in the room and having those experiences and what Peter was talking about before about being in the room and seeing who was calling up on the phone makes me think of uh, uh, Albert Poland. Uh, And uh, do you know Albert, Peter?
2: I don't, and I always feel like I should. Um, I read his book, which was terrific, and um, and we talked. The fact is, he lives, I think, in Pound Ridge, you know, which isn't easy to get to. Um, if he were in the city, I know we would have gotten together by now.
1: So a- Albert is a uh, is a Broadway producer who is retired, and he wrote a great book, and he's been posting ex- excerpts on Facebook of uh things that were cut from the book and they're fascinating and all these <laughs> stories about you know being in the Schubert office when this thing happened and that thing happened he he names names and spills tea and oh, wow. things like that he he's you know he's like I'm too old to uh care to about care. <laughs> what to, to care about what they're what they're thinking and everybody's dead anyway so uh mm. but just terribly fascinating so Charles this is your this is your uh, your marching orders. Get Albert <laughs> Poland on your podcast so we can learn more uh, <laughs> and keep doing the great work that you're doing on your podcast. So uh, I'll have a link to Albert's Facebook in the uh, show notes and also a link to Charles Kirsch's Backstage Babel podcast with the interview with Jesse Green of the New York Times. So... Uh, we hope to see those things as well. So, uh, uh, Peter, did I ask you? I, I know that you are, uh, you know, a, a Drama Desk nominator. Did we have any any Drama Desk news that I missed this week, or are we still uh, are we still so nobody on? told me? Yeah,
2: yeah, still
1: still waiting on. An announcement of the ceremony and uh, all those details and things. Well, they've said that it's 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 going to be at Sardi's.
2: Sardi's. Yeah, that much. That was said before. Yeah,
1: I don't think that they publicly said that though. I might have to cut that. Oh, Oh. I'll go. I'll go check. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I have to go see if uh, if that was public or not. But uh, they, uh, uh, we'll wait to see if they have a public announcement about. Uh, what they're going to do next uh, with the Drama Desk uh, Awards because so much of the other stuff is coming out and I've not uh, the Outer Critics Circle and the Drama drama League uh, mm-hmm. did their awards so mm-hmm. we're getting down to the thick of it right now mm-hmm. and uh, we'll, we'll wrap those up next week so before we get on to trivia and the musical moment, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of BroadwayRadio.com. There's a subscribe link. That way, each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, it'll be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to us on Apple Podcasts. There's many ways to get us. You can go to Patreon.com slash Radio and support Broadway Radio's uh, offerings. Um, You can also listen to us in Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you can listen to. Find our podcast, you'll find Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Peter, for Michael, and for me can be found on the show notes at uh, BroadwayRadio.com, as well as links to some of the things we've talked about today. So, Peter, do we have an answer for last week's trivia?
2: It's a musical with a two-word title that was nominated for a few Tonys but won none. The first word of the title is A Woman's Name. But if you put one space at a certain point in the second word, you get two first names of women. Hmm. The first two names of the three are also the first names of Tony winners and the best featured actress in the musical category. So what's the musical? What are the three names? Who are the winners? Well, last week I joked that Juliette Green, who won in successive weeks by four seconds and three seconds, might see her length of victory shaved to two. But that's exactly what happened. At 11.17, she answered Anna Karenina which turns into Anna, Karen, and Ina. And the Tony winners she cited were Anna Quayle for Stop the World, I Want to Get Off, and Karen Olivo for West Side Story. And wouldn't you know, two seconds later, at 11.19, Tony Janicki answered and got it right, although he mentioned Karen Zamba for Contact and Set, which, of course, is the right answer as well. They were followed by Paul Witte, Josh Israel, Sean Logan, Jack Leshner, John Conti, Brigadood, John Schwab, and Ingrid Gammerman. This week's question involves Latin. And it's a three-parter. All right. In the late 60s, a two-time Tony-winning actor starred in a musical where he played a famous head of state. In this show, he sang a song that had a Latin title. That head of state was eventually bumped off, not in the show, but in real life. And speaking of cold-blooded killers another one more than 1900 years later, committed a similar deed against another head of state. He came, commented on his nefarious action with a Latin expression that he also said in a musical in which he prominently appears. Around the same time that that happened, well, that the 2nd near do was doing his worst, in a land far, far, far away, another head of state used yet another Latin expression many, many times throughout the show. So what are the three Latin expressions, and in what musicals do they occur? Oy gavay.
1: That's (laughs) the only Latin I
3: know. (laughs) might take a little more than two minutes for that one. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, oh, Juliet Green just answered it. We're done. (laughs) Okay. All right, Michael, what do we have in this week's musical moment? Well, Peter uh, just alluded to
3: Cheetah Rivera's new memoir, which I have just got my little hands on. Uh, I was going to buy it, but I was headed up um, to my apartment in the elevator the other day, and Patrick Pacheco, (laughs) uh, her her co author, uh, got on and offered me one. Oh, uh, nice. And then hand delivered it and signed it for me so i'm really really happy about that and mm-hmm. uh mm. can't wait to start it uh i have read a, a couple of excerpts already and i know that um uh as peter mentioned that she uh she'd have felt like she should be uh a, a little m- more open about her private life but also uh, some of her opinions than she has been throughout her career she has always been uh, as far as I know, someone famous for um, being being very diplomatic uh, and not speaking negatively uh, about things that she didn't like. Uh, she
2: even speaks well of Jerome Robbins.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And there was um, the famous story. Uh, I love this story. A friend of mine told that uh, when Cheetah went to see not the most recent Broadway revival of West Side Story, but the previous one the one that was directed by Arthur Lawrence with um, Matt Cavanaugh and the aforementioned Mm -hmm. Karen Olivo. Uh, Apparently she went to see that and uh, she was asked by someone, some journalist or something, what she thought of the show and her reply was, oh, it's always so exciting to go to the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, but apparently uh, in this book, she's being a little more open. I'm told that she, um, uh, says that she wasn't really that happy with the still running, uh, a Broadway yeah, revival that's of right. Chicago. That's right. Yeah. When yeah. she initially saw it. And I Which, don't
2: blame her.
3: Yes. And, and, mm-hmm. and mind you, she saw it in the company of Gwen Verdon and Jerry, Jerry Orbach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, one can imagine mm-hmm. anyway. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can't wait to start the book, uh, but I, I, I'm so glad that I have it. And I, I, I've been thinking about Cheetah, and I remember that I have um, on CD uh, there was a, a compilation CD made of uh, two albums that she recorded in the early '60s. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah one yeah, called yeah. Ch- mm-hmm. "Just Cheetah!" exclamation point, mm-hmm. uh, which was 1962, and the other one called "And Now I Sing." uh 1963. Mm-hmm. Uh so our music this week is f- from those two albums. The opener is uh, Get Me to the Church on Time <laughs> from My Fair Lady and the closer is uh, a really 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 beautiful song uh from I guess one of Rodgers and Hammerstein's lesser efforts uh only comparatively though. Um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love Look Away from Flower Drum Song. Absolutely. Mm-hmm Gorgeous, gorgeous Mm song. So uh, uh, enjoy Cheetah's renditions of those two show
2: tunes. (laughs) Great choices. Good for you. Thanks.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Videos this week on Broadway. Bye Bye bye. Bye.